Last week, we spoke about ascension. We talked about the ascension of Jesus, that incredible moment where Jesus commands the apostles to wait in Jerusalem, and then he's physically taken up into heaven, into the clouds. And there's this incredible moment, which we talked about last week, heaven and earth intermingle, angelic beings appear, and the apostles are left there staring at the sky. And we spoke, didn't we, about being people who are called by Jesus to wait on the Holy Spirit, who introduces us to Jesus, that we might be witnesses to the world, witnesses of what we have seen and who we have met in Jesus. And we started to speak about waiting on the Spirit, didn't we? About how the Spirit of God is the one who introduces us to Jesus. And Jesus told the disciples that that's exactly what he told them, that when he was preparing for them was what was to come. And this is what uh, a few few different things that Jesus said about the Spirit. Uh, He says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Jesus said about the spirit, I will send the spirit and the spirit is the one who will introduce you to me, who will testify to you about me. So I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this, the joy of Pentecost Sunday, thinking about that witnessing part today. We talked a little bit last week about waiting on the Spirit, but I wanted to land a little bit more into that witnessing part today. Because we know that when we wait on the Spirit of God, we are healed. Because Jesus did that as part of his ministry. We know that when we wait on the Spirit, he teaches us more about who Jesus is because that's what Jesus did when he was on earth. We know that when we meet with the Spirit, we encounter miracles and we hear words of knowledge and we get pictures of what it is that God is saying to us because that's how Jesus ministered. And the Spirit is the one who introduces Jesus to us, who reminds us of who Jesus is. But those things that I've just said, those are the things that seem to be side effects of what Jesus is really doing through his spirit, which is calling people to himself. I remember uh, Mike Pilavachi, who leads Soul Survivor, uh, often says this, often reminds us of this. But um, many of you will know that there used to be huge youth festivals that Soul Survivor ran. And always on the first night, or maybe the second night uh, of Soul Survivor, there would be a challenge to all of the young people, an invitation, if you will, uh, to come to know Jesus and to give, for young people to come and give their lives to Jesus. And every single time, hundreds, maybe thousands of young people would come forward and give their lives to Jesus. And it's always this incredible moment of excitement that all of these young people who'd come to this festival from all across the country for different reasons, from different places, have decided in that moment to come and give themselves over to Jesus. Lots of you will have been to Soul Survivor and witnessed that. Uh, But Mike Pilaracci would always say this right at the beginning. After that had happened, after all the chaos of that happening, he would say, it's all downhill from here. You know, the most incredible thing that can happen aside from healing, aside from miracles, aside from learning more about Jesus is, 
is coming into the presence of God, is coming to Jesus, is allowing the Holy Spirit to draw you into Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's what we learn about when we hear about the story of Pentecost. So let's read that together, that incredible story of when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Uh, Just some context. If you weren't here last week, Jesus had told the apostles to wait in Jerusalem. And I've made this bit up, but I wonder if they'd gone to Jerusalem straight away that afternoon, as soon as Jesus had gone back up into heaven and waited and thought he's going to come this afternoon. And then he didn't. And then maybe they gathered the next day and waited and prayed and probably had the most incredible prayer meeting waiting. And then he didn't come again. And they, they were waiting for 10 days before the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. So that is the, that's the moment that uh, we're encountering when we read this story of Pentecost. Um, and Pentecost is uh, originally, well, is, continues to be a, a Jewish festival. It's 50 days following on from Passover. And it's where the first harvest is celebrated, the first fruits. And following the destruction of the temple, and even now, I was actually speaking to a woman this week at Tower Tots, uh, who's Jewish, and she was saying, telling me all about what they do um, for Pentecost. She's active in her synagogue. Um, they celebrate the coming of the law from Moses. Um, and they stay up all night on the Saturday night, on the Friday night, I think, studying um, the law. So they celebrate and, re- and renew the giving of the law. Um, so this is a day already set apart to celebrate the fact that God gives us good gifts. And that's why there are already people gathered in Jerusalem from all over the known world. And that's where we come to the story. So Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stands up to address the crowd and he preaches the sermon of his life, probably, explains to everyone what's going on, explains to them what's happening. And he says this, Therefore, this is verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What an incredible story. The disciples are all gathered together in one place. They've been waiting and praying for 10 days for the spirit that Jesus had promised would come. And then there's a huge noise like a rushing wind and tongues of fire come to rest on each of them. And then it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit who enabled them each to speak in other languages. And then all of a sudden they're able to speak to everyone there who was gathered for the festival. And it says they begin to declare the wonders of God. And the people who gathered are so amazed by what's happened. It says they were cut to the heart. And after hearing Peter speak, they ask him, what should we do? And 3,000 people who were gathered there accept what they have heard and are baptised. It's an incredible story. It's one we probably know quite well. Jesus asked the apostles to wait and they waited. They were filled with the Holy Spirit who immediately empowered them and gave them the words that they needed to witness to everyone around what they had seen and known of Jesus, who he is, what he's done. Now this week, uh, me and my girls and Simon, we've been away camping uh, over in the coast in Essex, um, very beautiful part of the world. Um, and uh, some of you will know that when you go camping, you need a water carrier, um, which you go over the, to the tap more times than you would like to, to fill up um, and uh, so that you have access to water for washing up and drinking, all of these things. Um, and it's one that you hold at the top with a handle, you fill it up from the top, and it's got a little tap on the bottom. Um, I'm sure I don't need to explain to you what a water carrier is, but for the purposes of this story. Um, and uh, a lot of you will know my girls, uh, Sophia's nearly six and Phoebe is three. And for some reason, this water carrier like, became an obsession to them. I don't understand really why. I think they've seen it before. I think they've seen taps before. But um, they seemed really excited to be filling up their water from this little tap. And every time I went into the tent, there was a little puddle of water on the floor There were cups undrunk of water everywhere, all over the tent, all in different places. Uh, They just, and in the end, I had to say, right, it's a rule. If you're going to fill up a cup of water, you have to drink it. You can't just leave it somewhere. You have to actually drink the water that you, they were obsessed with this, messing with this little tap. I don't really understand why, but it was a novelty to them, I suppose. So this went on for a couple of days. And then, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, Sophia, my eldest, filled up a cup again from the water carrier. But then she came over to me. She asked me, mummy, are you thirsty? And she handed me a cup full of water. And in that moment, I was like, oh my goodness, this is what it's like. This is what the Holy Spirit is like. So often we can become a little bit obsessed or a little bit overexcited about all the wild and wonderful things that the Holy Spirit has on offer for us. We can get really overexcited about the fact that the Holy Spirit enables us to speak in tongues and the Holy Spirit gives us words and pictures to encourage one another with and the Holy Spirit heals us and moves amongst us and we can feel the presence of God. We get really excited about that and so we should but we can forget that the Holy Spirit is poured out on us 
The Holy Spirit is poured out on each one of us, fills each one of us to enable us to ask other people, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Do you want something to drink? It reminds me of that story of Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Uh, If you don't know it, you can go to John 4 to read it. Jesus has this really interesting interaction with a Samaritan woman uh, at a well, and she's come to draw some water. And this is someone he isn't supposed to be near, someone he's not supposed to be talking to. And he says to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then Jesus calls her out. He speaks to her about her situation. He says, no, you've got, you've got five, you've had five husbands. And I know that you're currently living with a man who's not your husband. He even reveals himself, like declares himself to be the Messiah to her. And the incredible thing about this incredible story is that the Samaritan woman goes back to her town, having had that interaction with Jesus and tells everyone about what's happened. And all of the people in the town rush to Jesus and they beg him to stay around and he sticks with them for two days and he speaks with them and he teaches them. And then this is what they say to the woman after that. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. What they're saying is, this isn't just a story to us anymore This isn't just something that we heard might happen when we were kids in the synagogue, in the temple, and we were learning all about Jesus coming, the Messiah coming. This is a person who we've met. This is a person who we've spoken with. This is a person who's taken time to be with us, who set aside time to teach us. And, you know, through the Holy Spirit, that's what we have the power to offer to those around us not just knowledge of Jesus, not just some stuff we say about Jesus, but an interaction with him, an introduction to him. Like we see the apostles do at Pentecost. You know, they're not just teaching, they're moving in the power of the Spirit to introduce people to Jesus in their own language, making the word of God as plain as possible to anyone who will hear them. And what's the result? Well, the people hearing ask, what can we do? You know, Peter didn't need to do an altar call. They're asking, what can we do? How can we respond? And 3,000 people are baptised that day as a response to meeting with, through the Holy Spirit, the risen and ascended Jesus. When we meet the Holy Spirit, when he comes to fill us, when he comes to meet with us, incredible and sometimes weird things happen to us and in us, don't they? And it looks different for each one of us. And I've actually found it can look and feel different at particular times and seasons of life as well. The Spirit does incredible, remarkable things in us and out of his kindness to us. He heals us, he changes us, he speaks to us. We know that. But there's no magic formula with the Holy Spirit. Just the reality that God wants to empower his people. God wants to empower his church for mission.
to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit isn't just about messing with the tap, although we do get to enjoy that. We do get to enjoy the novelty and the wonder of playing in God's presence. But the real power of the Holy Spirit is that we get to say to people, are you thirsty? Let me introduce you to someone who can give you living water. What happened when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles? Tongues of fire, yes. Rushing wind, yes. But then they went out, they preached the gospel. So many were introduced to Jesus, not just in an academic way, but in a life-giving, life-changing way. 3,000 lives were changed in that moment. What happened when Jesus met the woman at the well? She was introduced to Jesus in a life-changing way. And then many others came to Jesus, met him and had their lives transformed too. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. The Holy Spirit does so many things, but the promised Holy Spirit fills us for the purpose of mission. And mission looks like witness, like we see all over scripture, like we see all over history. Ordinary people like you and like me, filled with the Spirit of God, saying to other people, let me introduce you to the person who told me everything I ever did. Let me offer you something to drink that you will never thirst again. 